from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Now make sure you say my name right. It's Latam. See, I talk about things other people are scared to talk about. What they're afraid to say. When I walk into the building, you know what they whisper to each other? This is Robert Littow for BlackSportsOnline.com and you're listening to or you're watching the Ugly Truth Podcast. Lifetime debuted their docuseries Surviving R. Kelly last night and had social media going nuts. So I wanted to bring you the ugly truth about R. Kelly and how he's been able to survive all of this for 30 plus years. The first thing is that we have to make something perfectly clear, perfectly clear from the beginning before we get into anything else. And I want you to understand when I am explaining to you how R. Kelly has been able to survive this for the last 30 years is not because, A, I think it's right, that I think it should have happened, that I am excusing his actions. It's none of that. It's just me telling you the truth of how he's been able to survive all of the things that we know about him over the last 30 years. The first thing that we have to make clear is very simple. And I want people to know this, and this is why I'm talking about it right at the beginning of the show. R. Kelly is a pedophile. He's a rapist. He's a predator. He's a manipulator. He's a sick and demented human being. So I want you guys to know that right from the beginning. And everyone, honestly, should already know this. If you didn't know it by now, if you watched even 30 minutes of the documentary last night, you should know it now. Anyone over the age of 30, I am pretty sure already knew this. Anyone under the age of, let's say, 25, they watched a documentary, now they should know. So now that we got that out the way, Like I said, we're trying to figure out why or how R. Kelly has been able to survive this for the last 30 plus years. And the first thing is we have to go back, way back. That's one of the parts of the ugly truth is sometimes I have to explain to people that we live in this kind of here and now society. We only kind of care about what's going on right now. And we don't look at things within the context of when they actually happen. We look at them within the context as if they were happening right now. If R. Kelly was doing what he was doing in the 90s, in 2018, there obviously would be different things that would be going on. So we have to understand, first off, the context of when this actually happened. R. Kelly came on the scene 89, 1990. And this is when the internet was just coming into into play. The first time I had an email address was probably 1995. So, I mean, I was on in a Yahoo chat room in 1996, Black Planet in 1999, MySpace 2000 or whatever, 2005, whenever that was out, you know. So back then, the flow of information about things that were happening with your favorite artists came from TV, magazines, 
newspapers. You may you maybe got your information from MTV or BET, but that was it. The source, vibe, double uh, XL. So when this stuff was happening, the initial stuff with R. Kelly, it was all insulated. Unless you were in Chicago while it was actually happening, you probably had no idea the guy that was doing Honey Love was also hanging out at the high school picking up girls. You probably had no idea that this was happening. So you can't say that from the beginning people knew besides that inner circle. And we'll get to the inner circle in a while, in a second here. The first time I think people realized that maybe there's something a little off with R. Kelly was, of course, with Aaliyah. And me and Aaliyah, if she, uh, if, you know, she tragically passed. We're around, we would have been around the same age. This is all happening. I'm watching this as through the lens of a teenager at that time. A very young person. And I recall vividly, you know, uh, BT uh, Video Soul or whatever. I recall vividly, and I don't know if I was coming home from school. I don't know if it was in the summertime. I'm not exactly sure. But I do remember the interview where they have on the matching Mickey Mouse outfits. And they're asking Aaliyah how old she is. And she's like, that's a secret. And if they're dating and all of this stuff. And even teenage me, knowing how old R. Kelly was at that time, knowing that he was much older than her, thought that that was a little odd. Now, this is teenage me. And I'm sure other people thought it. But once again, when this is happening, the early 90s, you just didn't, you didn't, I guess the issue is when something happens now, right, and you think it's a little suspect, what do you do? Maybe you Snapchat it, maybe you go to Instagram, you tweet it, you put it on Facebook, say, hey, this is, this is not right, this is odd. Well, in the 90s, you can maybe go to your boy down at the block and say, hey, man, you see Leah and R. Kelly on, on BET, that's a little strange. That's about as far as it go, or far as it went. So while maybe there was some what I like to call water cooler conversation or locker, you know, locker homeroom conversation about it, the connection between influential people never really took place back then. It was all internal. So you kind of just was like, we didn't know how old Aaliyah was back then. To be perfectly honest with you, artists, and this is another thing that's a little different than today. Artists routinely, especially young artists, lied about their age. Women artists, their age would always go up if they were young. Male artists, their age would always go down. Because the, the, the young women of that day, or just with, I would say, young women who were performers uh, throughout the history of music, if they were performing adult-style content, Obviously, if you knew that girl was 15 years old, 16 years old, talking about some of this content, you would look at it a little weird. But if you thought she was 18, 19, 20, 21, it's a little different. So record labels used to hide their age. So when Aaliyah says that's a secret, 
and she's singing about age ain't nothing but a number, there's a specific reason for that. Once again, this kind of goes back to the handlers, and I'll get to that in a minute. Once again, maybe some whispers about R. Kelly back then, but not on a grand national scale. Not on a grand national scale back then. So if you're wondering, like, how was he able to get away from this from the beginning, right from the jump, with the Aaliyah, the marriage, and all of this stuff, it simply didn't have enough connected legs to it to cause an outrage. It's one of those type of things where, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it? So it was out there. People kind of talked about it. But it never got enough wide mainstream attention to say, you know, we're going to cancel R. Kelly. Now, another reason for this, this is something that they briefly touch upon in the documentary, but it's something that you guys should really understand. This is the truth of the matter. Once again, I'm not saying I agree with it. Just saying it is the truth of the matter. Within the music industry, within the entertainment industry, there's a long history of older men getting with younger women, and specifically their, their protégés. And this is something, even if you go way back, I'm talking about way back, this is just something that was not frowned upon during those times. Maybe a raised eyebrow, but it wasn't considered unusual. It wasn't taboo. So even though I would say people raised an eyebrow about R. Kelly and Aaliyah, it's not like they hadn't seen it. That particular, and what I'm saying is that particular generation, the older generation, had seen this before with, with Elvis and, and Jerry Lee Lewis and a bunch of Hollywood types, uh, the, the, the director that always has his young, he had his young wives and stuff. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. And it goes to the Knicks games and stuff. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. That generation was used to that. So once again, just a raised eyebrow. And that's about it. I would say back then, the time that people really understood that R. Kelly, and I'm going to get to why, once again, he was able to get away with this stuff. R. Kelly was a pedophile was when a sex tape came out. Now, you have to understand that sex tapes back then, once again, it's a different time, a little bit different than sex tapes now. Sex tape come out now, it's on, there's, there's so many porn sites I can't even name. They come out on social media in a little clip. Uh, it can spread like wildfire throughout the internet. Everybody from and not just not just talking about the US, every country in the world, it could be interconnected. If if Kim Kardashian had another sex state that came out today, just today, just it just came out right now. Somebody hit me up and say, hey, Rob, there's a Kim Kardashian sex tape uh, that's out right now. That would be seen by hundreds of millions of people in 30 minutes. Without question, all over the world. Back then you know, we're dealing with VHS, VCRs, not the greatest video quality. I could do a whole podcast 
video on my iPhone and it looks like, you know, an HD camera. Back then, a little bit fuzzy. So when this sex tape comes out with the underage girl and R. Kelly, it became, let me tell you something that a lot of people don't talk about. You know Napster, which is kind of the prelude to all the streaming that we have now, streaming music? Well, back then we had Napster. And Napster was innovative in and of itself because it allowed you to download uh, music to your laptop or I, I don't think they wasn't an iPad. It was a I what they called it back in the day. I before they had all the other stuff, you had a little thing that played you know music, and it wasn't on your phone. It was just a music player. I can't even remember what it was named. But so you remember Napster? So you used to be able to download you know music and all of that stuff. Napster, even though it's known for the music sharing, that's what it's known for. Uh, what is not as known for as much, but is an innovator, probably in an accidental way, is downloading porn clips. And a lot of people don't know this. Before, if you wanted to watch porn, you would need, you know, a VHS or DVDs were coming into to play back then. It would have the whole, you know, movie on it. Or you have to watch Cinemax at night if you wanted to watch, you know, porn. What Napster did, and once again, was a prelude to everything else that was going on, is that Napster allowed individual clips to be downloaded onto the Internet. Now, I may have taken 17 hours for you to download them because you're still using dial-up, but what you see now with all the clips on the various porn sites, that all comes from, from Napster, just like the stream. The, the Internet at that time, was becoming prevalent. It was, it was coming around. DSL and some other things, it was coming around. More people were on it. Everybody had Napster. And if you wanted to see the R. Kelly sex tape, you would go to Napster. And I would say that's how the majority of people saw it. They saw it downloaded somehow. And the tape was grainy. The tape was not the best quality. If you were at a barbershop at any point during that time, there was someone always selling them in the barbershop on the corner. And that's when all of the stuff about Aaliyah, all of the hush-hush rumors that you heard about R. Kelly and him liking you know, young women, children actually, teens, came out. And a lot of people forget this. R. Kelly actually had a trial. An actual, you know, child molestation child, a trial. There's no way in the world in 2018 that an artist as big as R. Kelly could have had a child molestation trial with a video and still have a career afterwards. Now, I know what you're saying. What about some of these rappers and, and things like that? That's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. R. Kelly was on a different level than 6ix9ine and these other guys. This, is, this was R. Kelly. At this time, he was you know, pretty much at his peak. And he had this trial. And normally, if you have video, 
it's an open and shut case unless it's the cops, you know, beating up a black man or killing a black man. Then it's not an open and shut case. But normally a video against a black man is an open and shut case. But the truth of how R. Kelly got away with this, and a lot of people, you know some of it, but you don't know all of it. One, he paid off everybody. And I want to get I want to go back to that in a second. But in this particular case, paid off the, the girl that was in the tape. But what a lot of people don't know is at that time, R. Kelly was so big in Chicago that the jury were all R. Kelly fans. They simply didn't believe it. They simply did not believe that R. Kelly, the person that, you know, that made this music that everybody loved was a child molester, that he was a pedophile, that he would even actually do this. They looked the other way. Because back then, you just assumed that your heroes, that you were fans of, weren't capable of this type of horrific act. And R. Kelly, so he got away with it. You know, I know Jay-Z don't like to hear this, but you know, Jigga, Kelly, not guilty. That's the song they got. (laughs) They literally had the song together. And I get to why the people didn't want to show up on the documentary here in a second. But that's how he got away with it. Once again, different time, so he gets away with it. Again, now I always tell people, when you get away with something, you start feeling like you're untouchable. I can't be touched. I'm John Gotti. And he kept getting away with it. And he kept having hits after. You know, after he was found not guilty, everybody started running right back to him. He had number one hits right afterwards. Even though we all knew that something was off. That, that this guy was not right in the head. He was sick in the head. But once again, we turned a blind eye to it because of the music. Because we didn't want to believe that it was true. That we wanted to believe the girl was of age. Sometimes the, the want to believe the pretty lie is easier to believe than the ugly truth. So if you want to know, and going back to the documentary, say, I saw a lot of people on social media. They say, hey, these women, why are they just coming out now, today, at the documentary? Why didn't they go to the cops when it was happening? Why did they choose to engage in it? One of the, the, the girls who's a woman now says, you know, she was having a threesome with a 14-year-old. You know, why didn't they stop themselves with that? Why didn't they get away? Why did the one lady marry him knowing that how he was and he had a literally trap in the closet and had to ask if she wanted food? Why, 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 why? First of all, you don't want to blame the victims especially young black women. Black women are the most underappreciated, undervalued people in this country. And I want to hold off on more thoughts on that because I I tell you who I call the fraud, and I know you guys want to hear that. But people say, why, why, why? Why didn't these girls do anything? I mean, 14, 15, 16 years old. And R. Kelly is one of the biggest superstars on the planet. You know, maybe they understood that it was wrong or they understood what was happening. But I mean, come on, that's not fair to them. 
if you want to know honestly why they didn't talk after the escape, in the immortal words of Randy Moss, straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. R. Kelly paid everybody off. Everybody. Same way Ben Roethlisberger pays er- paid everybody off. We sexually assaulted. Paid them off. Paid for their silence. And because they were young and at that time probably broke, dreams of being shattered, emotionally abused, they took the money. They took the money. That's how R. Kelly got all of this silence. She paid these women off. And now they're adults and so much time has passed. They realize what they did, you know, what what he was doing to them was wrong. But that's why. That's the truth. The people may not want to see it. They're not going to talk about it on the documentary. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. He paid off all of these women. Each and every one of them got a check for their silence. Like I said, I'm not blaming them because, you know, the situation was effed up. But they got paid to be quiet, which leads me to a part that I know some of you are not going to like. But it needs to be said because it's true. R. Kelly had handlers and yes men and people who knew that he was a pedophile and a racist, uh, not a racist, a rapist, that he liked these young girls. And what he was doing was wrong. I mean, just morally sick. 14, 15 year old girls in the studio. I, just, I mean, you know that's sick. But R. Kelly was one of the biggest artists in the world. So he paid them. It was his check. If R. Kelly didn't get paid, they didn't get paid. And some of these people are not the most outstanding people in the world. So that's why. That's why they say, look, because he paid them. It's check. Money over morality. Money over morals. Happens since the beginning of time. But I want to point something out. And like I said, you might not like it, but it's true. R. Kelly is a predator. Came from, you know, nothing, not a lot. To these heights, and he's a predator. And it's good that predators are exposed. R. Kelly can hit a certain level because of his talent as a musician and still be a predator. A white man could be a predator in the same vein and become the president of the United States of America. It's not much of a difference between Donald Trump and R. Kelly. They're both creeps. They both like young women. They're both rapists. They're both, they're both, you know, predators, pedophiles. They're both evil human beings. But one person enables, enablers are his, you know, deadbeat friends family members and people, you know, in the industry that turn a blind eye. The other person's enablers happen to create the laws for our country. So I want you to think about the difference with that. Yeah, people enabled R. Kelly and he was able to be very successful as a musician. If you're white and you're a predator, you become the president of the United States of America. Think about that really hard for a second. Think about that really hard when you see 
are people fond over Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not saying one is better than the other. They're all wrong. They're all predators. They're all creeps. They're all evil people that should be in jail. Let's Can we get a NFL network story on how Ben covered up all of his sexual assault cases and how he's going to be applauded for going into the Hall of Fame and nobody's going to mention it. So predators exist in all races and cultures and everything. White predators can achieve and ascend all the way to the presidency, all the way to the Hall of Fame. And people will turn a blind eye for it. So just remember that. Keep that same energy is what I'm saying. Have all the negative energy you want towards R. Kelly. Just make sure that you realize that this, is just, this just isn't an R. Kelly problem. This is a much wider problem. And just understand that your favorite entertainers and athletes, some of your favorite entertainers and athletes are creeps. They do the same thing. They may not be on the level of R. Kelly, who's a sicko. But do they do things that if you really knew about what their handlers was overlooking or handling for them, make you look at them a little different? Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely you would. You would look at them quite differently. So R. Kelly has been able to survive up until now. We'll see what happens after this documentary happens for, you know, just to review for a couple of reasons. The time that the majority of this stuff was taking place, people just didn't care about it. And now, since he, you know, he hasn't had a hit in seven, eight years, people are like, yeah, yeah, we knew. But, you know, we didn't do anything. And like I said, most of us knew that R. Kelly was this person for a very long time before the documentary. That's why I wasn't overly emotional about it. I already knew all of this. And does that mean you need to erase him from the music? I will say this. It's not my position to tell people what they should listen to, what they should watch, and stuff like that when it comes to entertainment. One thing, though, is true is that if you do still listen to R. Kelly's music, normally with stuff like this, you can separate the art from the, the person. Like, I think Ben Roethlisberger is a horrible individual that raped multiple women, locked them in the bathroom. That is really not connected to the fact, you know, he's throwing interceptions or touchdowns and his actual quarterback play. Literally two separate things. Normally with music, you could do that too. But unfortunately, or I shouldn't say unfortunately, but with R. Kelly's music, knowing what you know, especially, and this is, for me, this is where the issue came in was. Because like I said, I always figured you could separate the art from the person because it's two different things. But at some point, when you know what's, what's happened and you listen to the lyrics, it makes you uncomfortable. Because who exactly is he singing about? And... It hit me many years ago as I, because I've been reporting about R. Kelly for decades. So I know a little bit more about this than your average everyday person. But it hit me many, 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 many years ago as, as I found out more things that were going on with R. Kelly. The line in, you know, uh, 
the line from um, the 12 play album, right at the beginning, my mind is telling me no, but my body is telling me yes. That line right from the beginning. But my body, my body's telling me yes. On bump and grind. My mind's telling me no. But my body is telling me yes. From that point on, it was very difficult for me to listen to R. Kelly's songs. Because that's sick. And then you go back and you look at the Aaliyah cover and the Aaliyah song. He wrote all these songs. Age ain't nothing but a number. And he's in the back creeping, looking at it. And that's sick. So you, you, you know, this is the key to ignition. All fresh out the key. Like all of this stuff. Are you singing this about 14 year old girls? Once again, not my place to tell you if you should or shouldn't listen to the music. I'm just saying for me personally, it's difficult to listen to the music, knowing what exactly he was talking about. And so that's a whole nother issue in and of itself. I don't think people should tell people what they should listen to because that's a slippery, you know, slope. I mean, MC Ren once said that he, you know, he ran a train on the, on the preacher's daughter in the car. <laughs> so it's a slippery slope when you, when you start trying to separate art from the person. Because at some point you may not be able to watch, you know, anything or listen to anything because all of these people are, you know, a little bit suspect. If you want to know why the Jay-Z's and the the Dave Chappelle's didn't want to participate, I mean, you got to think about this logically. People, first and foremost, have to think think about themselves, okay? First and foremost, think about themselves. you put Jay-Z on that show, you ask him some tough questions, it's not going to work out well for him. So you would think that maybe sometimes these people would have the courage to do it, but you know, it's risk-reward, risk-benefit, and they're like, it's not beneficial to me. And frankly, let's be honest, I mean, there's other artists of that generation that are a little suspect too. You know, Michael Jackson is a little suspect, but people don't want to talk about that, mainly because he's passed away. But if Michael Jackson was alive right now, I think, you know, there would be specials on him, too. People would be coming out about him, too. Just happened that, you know, he passed away. So before I get out of here, I made a I did a tweet. And I called someone a scammer and a fraud uh, on the document. And a lot of people like, Rob, who are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you what I was talking about, because I like talking about these things in depth as opposed to getting into these little Twitter wars, because I'm not about arguing. This is my opinion on it. If you don't like it, that's too bad. But as I was saying before, black women are the most undervalued, underappreciated, disrespected people on this planet. On the planet. They, They seem to, people feel like they're not valued. And that's saying a lot, you know, as a black man, because obviously we can get shot on the spot. Black women are treated even more poorly than us. So when I say this, this is not a knock 
on black women because I understand what you're going through. And the women, the black women that are out there that are standing up for other black women and standing against men who are creeps and doing the wrong things, I'm all for that. Support them 100%. But I can't stand idly by and watch a fraud speak on a documentary. And I tell you why. Because some black women just use the fact that they don't like black men as a way to promote themselves. And that's sad. Because black men have a lot of their own issues in this society as well. One of those people are Jamel Lemieux. And she popped up on the documentary. And I thought that was interesting because she's a fraud. (laughs) She's a kind person. She's a scam. This is someone that has intentionally tried to bring me down several times. Why? Because I tell the truth. I don't lie. I'm not fake. You can say whatever you want about me. Say whatever you want about the IG stories, content on BSO, you know, whatever you want to say about it. But I'm not fake. And there's no wit locking in my blood. I'm always here for my people. I put more black women on in media than your favorite network, your favorite, your favorite website. That's just the truth. But she's a scammer. She's a fraud. Maybe, maybe she's upset because, you know, her dad faked being black and was really white and went from being a black panther, even though he wasn't black, to being a cop that had some, uh, some real shady activities in regards to dealing with black people. But it's more likely that she realized, and I don't knock the hustle for this, she realized that knocking black men is a profitable industry. It's the same way that black people, the black media, who knock other black athletes or black entertainers, that's profitable as well. That's why they show up on Fox News. That's how they get jobs. If you're a black person in media, and you knock other black people, you're guaranteed to find work in this industry literally forever. But it works the same way for black women. Black women who knock black men on a consistent basis for no reason at all, use terms like ashy and all of this silly stereotypes like that. They they always have a a way of profiting, profiting off of that. And that's who she is. She's a fraud. She's a scammer. I see right through these people all the time. I see through their their scam. They don't believe that. They don't believe half the stuff that they're saying. They just know that their base, their fan base, is going to rock with them when they tell those pretty lies. It's no different than Trump. It's no different than Whitlock. It's no different than Sheriff Clark. No different than than uh, Britt McHenry. They're all frauds. They're all scammers. Clay Travis. They're scammers. They're scammers. So when I saw her on there, she's the, this is a serious topic about serious issues. And Lifetime did a good job of putting people together with some credibility. Except they, they you know, they bought in one scammer. 
it's okay. I guess one scammer out of, you know, 30 people is not, it's not a bad thing. But the only reason that she's on this documentary is for her own gain. Don't care about R. Kelly. Don't care about what's happened to these people. All she cares about is, hey, this is an opportunity to exploit the R. Kelly situation for my agenda. And that's why I called her a scammer and a fraud. I would call her a scammer and a fraud to her face, too, if I saw her. But she's more comfortable, you know, talking behind the computer, you know, and not, you know, saying my name. You know, she likes to she likes to subtweet a lot. She likes to subtweet. But, you know, I'm not hard to find. If you have something that's on your mind, you can say it to my face. And I tell you to your face that you're a scammer and you're a fraud. And I know. So that's that. And, you know, she can put that in her pipe and smoke it with her white father. Listen to The Ugly Truth with Robert Littow. We'll be back, like I said. And I'll give you no pretty lies here. Only the real. No wit locking on this side. And just, just one last thought before I go. There are a lot of people, and I'm just telling you the truth, there's a lot of people right now that are pretending to be outraged for the likes, the retweets, trying to get something to go viral. There's a lot of people that are doing that right now, and they don't care at all. They don't care at all. I guarantee you, R. Kelly's streams are going to go up. They're still going to listen to R. Kelly. They're still, they may be outraged by R. Kelly, but they're going to ignore that their favorite artist and athlete is a creep too. There's a lot of fake outrage that's out there. And you should be outraged by R. Kelly. It should make you sick to your stomach. But I can, I can honestly tell you that I know there are people that are just fronting for the timeline, fronting for the gram, fronting on Facebook. They don't care. They don't care about those girls. They don't care about R. Kelly. They don't care about anything except those likes and those retweets. And maybe there's some guys out there that's hoping, you know, what they say, get some girls to jump in their DMs. This is the society that we live in right now. And that's the ugly truth. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Instagram, well, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSO TV. Uh, you can check out the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and on YouTube at BSO TV. Like I said, no wit locking with me. I'm out. <laughs>